So as you can tell, we're in all different stages of this whole like love song thing, right? We had like a group of guys that were just like still mosh pitting, right? During the country song, right? We had a group of girls just kind of standing around, looking around. Then we had other people dancing. We have all these different stages and all these different people and all these different emotions that go into something like an impromptu dance. But one thing I think is interesting, uh, when I watch you guys on the love song, how many of y'all knew most of the love songs that were, were going on up there? Awesome. How, how many of y'all were singing along? How many of y'all were singing along? Okay. Now, how many of you sang louder during those songs than you did during worship? Oh, sorry. How many of you knew the words of those songs better than you knew the words of the worship songs that we worship, right? Now, I'm not, I'm not going to try to hate on you too much, but... Um, if you were to take the first set of four songs and take the second set of two songs and, and that makes sure, you understand how many times uh, Think Out Loud has been seen on YouTube, the dancing video? Three billion times. Billion, not million, billion times. I, I don't even want to venture over the, the a Christian song that's been seen millions of times. Because our world is in love with the idea of love. And so for the next three weeks, we're going to kind of discuss what it means to be not really dating, but they're going to redefine it for you in a different way. And so the leader is going to be bringing out a paper to you that kind of has our scripture on it and, and things of that nature. But we're going to be in the book of First Corinthians chapter 7. So if you have your own Bible, you can open it up. If not, most of the verses will be on um, this pa- piece of paper um, that we're getting tonight, okay? So 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Now, let me set the stage for you um, as I go around and passing them out. Um, Corinth is a city that was much like the cities that we have in the United States of America. But if you were to kind of venture and think of Corinth, you need to think of somewhere like um, Las Vegas, okay? Somewhere where um, lots of people, it was a destination town for a lot of just... Um, terrible things that were going on. And so Paul has written a letter to the Corinthians. Now, I don't know about you, but sometimes when I read um, the Bible and I read Paul and he's writing these letters to the churches, um, you wonder kind of what he's trying to get across. What is his point? Well, in chapter seven, we have a kind of unique passage to where Paul is going to tell you what question he is answering. And I'm going to tell you, there's going to be a couple of awkward moments in here because we're going to talk about married people and, you know, the word sex. And so it's going to be awkward. So that's why I put it in little font. So maybe you could skip over that part. Okay. So first one of chapter seven says this. Now concerning the matters, I'll wait for you. Okay. Get all those out. Now concerning the matters about which you wrote, it is good for a man not to have sexual relations for a woman. And so they're asking Paul this question, is it better to stay single? Now we find out a little later that Paul was single. Paul and Barnabas, they were sent out on missionary journeys. They didn't leave their wife and their kids at home. They had never married. And so the question to Paul is, are you living the perfect righteous lifestyle that Jesus wants us to live? Because contrary to books by Dan Brown, Jesus was never married. Are we supposed to be like Jesus and never marry? Is that better? And Jesus, and throughout the Bible, you see that God is blessing people through descendants, but he's also blessing people that choose 
singleness for a mission or a path that God has them on. So is it better to be single? No. Is it better to be married? To be honest, no. It's better to be in the will and the plan of God. And so this is the question that he's answering. So verse 2, but because of the temptation to sexual morality, each man should have his own wife and each woman her own husband. The husband should give to his wife her congenial rights and likewise the wife for the husband. For the wife does not have the authority over her own body, but the husband does. Likewise, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. Do not deprive one another, except perhaps by agreement for a limited time, that you may devote yourselves to prayer. Then come together again so that Satan may not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. So here's the point. I know this is awkward and a really terrible topic and passage to choose in youth group, but this is talking about like married people having sex. And he's saying like, you need to do that. That's part of what God's design and God's plan was for you. And don't stop unless you're devoting yourself to a time for the Lord. All right, we'll skip that and we'll, we'll leave. You wonder why I skip some verses. I'm skipping that for you for the rest of the night, okay? But we get into verse six. Now as a concession, not a command, I say this. I wish that all were as I myself am. So he's saying, I wish that you all were single like I am. But each has his own gift from God, one from one kind and one from another. Now, I'm going to pause here because here's what Paul just said. Singleness is a gift from God. Now, I know that if you were to go home and like your parents had something wrapped on there and they're like, you know what? We're going to give you a year of singleness. You would not be excited about that. You're going to be like, woo! I'm going to be single for the whole next year till next Christmas. Like that's not a present most of you want. If God was to come down in a cloud and speak to you and say, you are going to be single for the rest of your life, you would probably cry, even though God himself spoke to you. Because there is something inside of our heart that wants love. There's something inside of our heart when we hear those songs, we're stirred. That's why you hear this thinking out loud song at most every wedding that you go to nowadays. Because there's something about thinking of someone else and someone placing their head on your beating heart and someone else that's in your arms that just is attractive and fun. But yet God says that singleness, your single years are a gift from the Lord. Now, what does he mean by that? Well, that's what we're going to do basically work through tonight is what does it mean for you to have the gift of singleness? What is God expecting and God wanting from you through these years? Okay. To the unmarried and the widows, I say, that it is good for them to remain single as, as I am. But if they cannot exercise self-control, they should marry. For it is better to marry than to burn with passion. And so he's giving them basically an out. If you don't have self-control, don't fight it. You need to get married. And that's the path. And he's given them two paths to follow. Now, when we talk about singleness, all right, I want you to I want to lay out a couple ideas before you first. First of all, singleness is not a trophy. Like you're not better if you decide to become a monk or to become Maria in a convent singing about the hills being alive. You're not better right, if you choose that lifestyle. Because otherwise, don't we say the God of Abraham, Jacob, and Isaac, didn't God bless them through the generations, right? So, so it's different, but it's also not a mark against your identity. In other words, because you're single, you're not something less. You see, what happens many times is that we get our identity 
wrapped up in love instead of the love that's been poured out for us on the cross. A love that's been demonstrated while we're still sinners. You know, sometimes what's best for us, we don't always appreciate because we don't understand their purposes. And if you skip down a few verses, if you skip some awkward verses about married people, I mean, get down to verse 17. It says this, only let each person lead the life the Lord has assigned to him, to which he has called him. This is my rule in all the churches. So the question is going to be this for you. Do you want to follow God's plan for your life, whatever direction it might take you? In other words, when we sang these songs up here earlier, and we sang, I love you, I love you, I love you, do you love him? Only saying, L is for the way you look. Is that the love that you want? What is your heart's desire? And that's what we want to investigate tonight. Because the only way to overcome addiction, the over, only way to overcome some of the desires that you have is to love something greater. So let's talk about that. So look it down in verse 32. We're skipping down um, some verses. I encourage you, you can read through those on your own. I am, I hate the dot, dot, dot and skipping around, but those are awkward verses. So we're going to go down to verse 32. And it's interesting because in these verses between there, he's talking about the time being sure. He's talking about living a life of urgency. He's talking about, we should remain single so we can share love. And he says this, I want you to be free from anxiety. An unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord and how to please the Lord. But the unmarried man is anxious about worldly things, how to please his wife, and his interests are divided. And the unmarried or betrothed woman is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to be holy in body and spirit. But the married woman is anxious about worldly things, how to please her husband. And so we see now this picture of when you are single, you have an opportunity to put your focus and to put your energy towards the things of the Lord when you're married, your energy is divided. Now, it doesn't mean that marriage is bad or particularly that it's bad, but our, our energy is divided. For example, if I wanted to go, if I felt called to go on a mission in Indonesia, let's say God just, called, just woke up in the middle of the night, I felt a call to Indonesia. You understand the preparation that I would have to make to go to Indonesia. I would have to figure out what to do with my house. I'd have to tell my kids, you're not going to play for the Panther basketball team anymore. You're not going to go to ODA anymore. You're fixing to move to Indonesia. Where? Probably to a hut out in the jungle somewhere. I would, one, by making one decision, affect the decision of five other people in my family. Why? Because I'm married, because I have a family, because I have those things. Right? If Louis decided and got called to Indonesia, Louis could say, see ya. Louis could hop on a plane tomorrow and fly to Indonesia because all he's leaving behind is a roommate. That's it. Just leaving Daniel. And I know that would be painful for him. But that's all he's leaving. Louis is in a position of singleness where he can pursue God in a passionate way. You take Demi, who's going off to Africa in the summers. You take someone like Bailey, who's going off in, what, a week? <laughs> Bailey's leaving us in a week to go to Washington, D.C. to be an intern doing mission work in Washington, D.C. If she was engaged to someone here, guess what? There's two people that have to make that decision anymore. We love you, Bailey. You're, are you coming next week for us to pray over you, right? Okay. Next week, we'll be praying over Bailey and sending her out as another missionary sent out from our youth group, right? 
But she is free to follow the calling of God on her life because her heart is not divided. Her heart is simply focused upon the Lord. Now look at this next verse. Because verse 35, if you had a highlighter, it would be the verse that you need to highlight. This is the key verse about singleness. It says this, I say this for your benefit, not to lay any restraint upon you, but to promote good order and to secure your undivided devotion to the Lord. So here is God's two purposes for you while you're single. Number one, your priorities. Put in your life in good order. So if underneath there, I want you to write good order or write priorities. If you have a pen or you can grab one from the back of a chair. If you can, as a young single person, begin to get your priorities and get your life in order, you're going to be more successful in your married life, more successful in your, I don't want to call it dating life, your skating life. We'll get to that later, okay? When you begin to pursue relationship, it's a lot harder when you pursue relationship to make things right. It's a lot easier when you're through devotion with the Lord to make things right. So what do we mean by priorities? Um, How do you spend your time? Like when you're single, right, how do you spend your time? Is your time productive for the Lord? Think about your school day. Think about your life. Many of you in school and you have homework and things of that nature. How many hours a day do you think you have free? I mean to like, I have this much free time to do whatever I want to do. What do you think? How many of you have an hour a day free? Like I have an hour, at least an hour or more free every day to do nothing. Okay, how many have two hours or more free every day? Okay, how about three hours a day free? Ish, okay. Four hours a day free in May. How many of you feel like you have no time free? How many feel like every moment's done it? How many of you have tweeted in the last 24 hours? Oh, hands go down really quick. Okay. Um... That's not, I mean, maybe you're checking their Twitter feed for, you know, current events for your history class to make sure that you knew what was going on. And yeah, not really, right? You see, um, we feel like we don't have free time. We feel like the world is crashing upon us. And yet we fill that time with things that don't matter. Question for you. Of those of you that had more than an hour of free time, how many of you spent that hour reading God's word? Hmm. We're, we're just being honest here. Not many of you. Maybe one. Why? Because we love love. Because our priorities are different. We love video games. We love information, knowing about people's lives. Do you love Jesus Christ the way he needs to be loved? Because here's the second point of singleness, the second thing, and it's this. It says, to secure your undivided devotion to the Lord. Did did you hear what he said? He wants to secure your undivided devotion to him. In other words, you're not secure on your own. Your anchor is still in the boat. You're getting pushed around by the waves of the sea. Are you secure? Is your hope undivided? Is it focused upon the Lord? That's the purpose of singleness. Those are the two things that you want to bring into 
your relationship. Because, guys, if you turn the page over, you find out really quickly that we're in a much bigger story than your own life. Sorry, I keep falling on me. Look at Ephesians chapter 5, all right? Ephesians chapter 5 keeps talking about a marriage and it keeps talking about a husband and a wife and it talks about their different responsibilities and their different roles and, and different things that God has ordained for them. But then towards the end it says this, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother. This is quoting back from Genesis. We'll get to this in probably four weeks when we talk about Genesis. And hold fast to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound. And I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. You see, here's the point. You are in a greater love story than the person that you're sitting next to. Because guess what? When you are sitting at church, many of you are distracted. Many of you are distracted. For example, let's say that you came to refuge tonight because you kind of like someone, and they're like sitting by you, right? And you're like sitting there, and you're, you're like, oh, we're gonna, let's pray. And you're like, oh, I hope coach says the hold hands thing. Please say the whole things. I'm like, y'all grab hands and pray. You're like, yes. Woo. You're like, waffle time. I know French, right? And we're waffling all the way, right? And you're like, ah, oh, like, let's pray together. You're sniffing in. You're in love in the aroma, right? You're sitting there holding hands. Did she move her hand? Did she move that finger? You're worshiping, right? You're jumping around and like, oh, you bump into them. And that feeling, that, right? You're excited. Or maybe you're sitting in class, right? And you're, you're doing your schoolwork, all that, and you kind of glance over and that, that person's looking at you. And you look down, but then you're trying to like use super like spidey sense, right? You're looking at your paper, but spidey sense is like pulling your eyeball this way to kind of be, are they still looking at me? I hope they look down so I can look over there, right? And we're distracted, why? Because we love love. Because we have this emotion, right? We have this, and it's fun, and it's definitely exciting. And, and I want to give you some tips and some ways to handle some of those um, emotions. But guys, do we ever have emotion like that for the Lord? Do we ever have an undivided attention for God? Because I guarantee you, when you decide um, to read the Bible, you're going to get more text and more notifications than you ever have before. When you sit down and like, I'm going to give this 30 minutes to the Lord, guess what's going to happen? Friend's going to call you with a problem. Someone's going to tweet something and you got to retweet. Even though most people in the world have turned off your retweet because you tweet, retweet everything, you just have to. And then guess what? Once you check Twitter once, you check Twitter for like 20 minutes. Or the worst is Facebook. Anybody on Facebook? Have you ever noticed that Facebook is like a vortex of time? Like, you just go on there to post one thing, and then it's like, you wake up 20 minutes later. I don't know what happened to that, that part of my life, right? We just, we, just, we just love that. We're so interested in that, and yet, do we have an undivided devotion? Because the Lord is for us. The Lord wants our undivided attention. And so throughout this um, series, we're going to talk about this word skate instead of date, Okay. Just because I want to give you some way to re redefine my view and what I feel like God's view is of dating. Because when you look at the Bible, if you go to a Bible app and you put in dating, you're going to find nothing. Nada. Dating wasn't even a thing at that time because mom and dad just picked for you. Now, aren't you glad you don't live then? Like mom and dad, I mean, like if I got to do this now, 
What do you think I would be doing up here? I'd be preaching. I'd be going, hmm, with you guys out there, hmm. Check it out. Who of you is holy? Because I'm fixing to arrange something, right? We, we don't have that anymore. You get to choose now. That, that's kind of an interesting gift. But if I was a parent and I was choosing a spouse for Tyler, I would become an, someone that assesses different people. I would begin looking at the girls' lives in this room. I would begin looking at their parents. I begin looking at the things that they do, and I begin to watch you and see, are you someone that I would want to be connected to my son for the rest of his life? Or are you a guy that I would want connected to one of my daughters for the rest of their life, or to Kale for the rest of your life? And I would begin to do that. And the question is, do you, when you begin to date and begin to do these things, assess the situation in the same way? And so here's what skate means, all right? I wrote it down for you because we'll talk about it a lot as we go. Seek companionship to assess togetherness in view of eternity. Seeking companionship and friendship that can grow into something more for a bigger story and a bigger plan that God has for our life. So next week, we're going to talk about what is the type of person that you should skate, and then we're going to talk about how you should actually skate at the end, Okay. And so I want to give you a little, um, I'm not that eloquent with words sometimes, but um, there's a couple of people on the internet that are really eloquent with words. So I want you to listen to spoken words. So if you don't have a pen, I want you to grab one. And I want you to just write down a couple of things um, from this spoken word um, that this young lady speaks um, about her choice to follow God in a, a specific way and the way that she wants to follow God while she is in this gift of singleness. So Kevin, can you roll that for me? So... Um, you know, some of the things that she said in that video are just powerful when she starts start describing the type of person that she's willing to wait for. But what she said then is, is what I want your heart to be. Do you want to wait on the Lord? Do you want to follow his plan? Do you trust in his plan over your life? And so when we go to small group time, first thing I want you to share when you go there is um, that line of poetry that maybe you heard um, during that, or something that you um, felt during that, and discuss that with your group, okay? Let's, let's pray. You can grab hands with someone next to you if you want to. <clears throat> but not too, too tight. All right. Um, Lord, we just come before you. Just thankful, Lord, for um, just your word. Thank you for the power of words, Lord. Just as um, Jeanette, Lord, as she brings uh, words out of her mouth, Lord, to bring glory to you. Um, Lord, we just are amazed at the kind of God that you are, Lord, the creativity Lord, that you have given us, the opportunity, Lord, that you've given us to serve you. And Lord, the love that you've given for us, Lord, we don't even understand the love of Christ, the, the price that you paid, Lord, to love us, the fact that you died on the cross for our sin, Lord, it's just incredible. So Lord, we just want to praise you. Lord, I pray for everyone in this room, Lord, including me, that um, I'll be able to hear your voice. I'll be able to follow your will. I'll be able to rest in you. And Lord, I pray that tonight for everyone in this room, they'll begin praying for their future, Lord, for their future spouse or, Lord, for their current spouse. That, Lord, we'll see the gift of God that we have. That, Lord, we'll see the love that you have for us because that's the profound mystery is Christ in the church. So, Lord, help us as we go out um, into the world, as we go out and seek after you. Lord, help us to be um, your sheep. Lord, we thank you, Lord, that you are the good shepherd and that you guide us and that we don't have to worry that your plan is wrong, but we can trust that your plan is right. So, Lord, thank you for this. Help us to have an undivided attention and undivided love for you. In your name we pray. Amen.